Welcome to the Money School Podcast for December 2nd, 2020. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Happy Wednesday. It's December already. The year is blurring along. It's been a one for the record books in a bunch of different ways. Uh, one of the things I wanted to do is have a December what to look for episode. Um, there's a couple big things that are happening this month um, that either start this month or happen this month that are really going to impact the markets and your money and where we go from here. So I wanted to touch on a couple of topics. Um, the first being the Georgia Senate race, um, Tesla's inclusion to the S&P 500, the vaccine, which just got approved uh, overseas today and looks like it's going to be out you know, within a week or so in the United States. Um, and then also the specific risks that come with the potential new normal or the life after vaccine. So those are four topics that I wanted to get into. Um, we'll go back to the, the Senate race with what's happening in Georgia really quick. I never want to go too deep in politics because there's plenty of places for you guys to go and you know get that commentary. But the Senate race and the control of the Senate is really important to both the stimulus and how we're going to you know move forward over at least the next two years. So for those of who haven't been paying attention, there's 100 Senate seats. Right now it's 50 Republicans, 40 Demo- 48 Democrats, and there's two seats remaining that are in a runoff that are the early voting starts on December 14th and the election is January 5th. So that's why I said it, you know, starts in this month. We're going to have some, you know, I think we're going to have a little bit more clarity before January, um, but we'll see. So if these seats both go red, that would be a 52-48 advantage in the Senate for the Republicans. The vice president has a vote, so it's, you know, 52-49. If both of the seats go blue, then it creates a 50-50 situation with the vice president being a tiebreaker, and that could potentially push a more progressive agenda where I think the markets will respond negatively to that and very positively to a split 50-50. And I I, I don't think it'll be tremendously, I think it'll still be very positive for the market if both seats go red. Um, But I think the market kind of just wants more mix. Um, If both seats go blue, then there's going to be an assumption that there's taxes coming in 2021. And the risk to the market in that outcome of a 50-50 Senate with a, a vice president Harris tiebreaker is the stocks that have run a lot in 2020. Theoretically, investors could say, I want to sell my prof- sell and take profits now in 2020 in a year where I know the taxes are lower versus waiting into 2021 to, to sell and take my profits where I don't know what those taxes will look like specifically on capital gains. So that's a really important thing to look for. Are these both these seats going to go blue? Um, if I had to guess, it's Georgia. I, the presidential race was close. Um, probably going to go 50-50. I think it's a safe bet to say it's going to go 50-50. There's three potential outcomes or four potential outcomes, I guess, you know, 50-50 with either one of the combinations and then both blue or both red. Um, Game theory, there's most likely going to be a Republican senator in that equation at the end of the day. Um, And that will keep the agenda moving forward pretty balanced. And I think that's what the stock market wants. Enough about politics. 
The biggest definitive event in December is the inclusion of Tesla to the S&P 500. That happens on the 21st of December, and that, there's just a ton going on this day, which I think people need to really be careful where their money is allocated, because it's just going to create um, potentially a ton of waves. Uh, the first part is Tesla is already a $600 billion company, which is enormous for a company to go into the S&P. Um, as it goes into the S&P and replaces another company, all of the indexes and products that are, you know, they're tracking the S&P 500 are going to have to buy a ton of shares, potentially 50, 60, 70 billion worth of shares all on one day on that Friday, um, which is going to be probably good for it's it almost certainly has to be good for Tesla, but negative for I mean, a lot of these funds are only a finite amount of capital. So for it to include an equal weighted or a market cap weighted Tesla to the mix, it's going to have to sell everything else to make room. So that's your first wave is Tesla going into the S&P 500 and being bought so much by the indexes and the tracking products, the spiders, you know, all of those different you know, products that have a mandate to buy all of the companies that are in the S&P 500 at a certain amount, they're going to start buying um, and they're going to have to sell other things to make room. So that could potentially rock the market pretty heavily. The second part of this equation is that Friday is when the quarterly expiration for options and futures on all of the indexes expire. Um, Traders call this a witching event. Uh, And this typically creates a ton of volatility because the majority of options go, you know, expire worthless. And there's a huge roll that's already happening of December options into later dates like January. But there's a lot of dead money um, that's up against that expiration. And then this is where the gamblers come in and start betting um, on cheap options that are short dated. And then we have this huge event of the options, either people rolling them over, closing them, expiring. Um, The expiration date of a quarterly expiration on top of typical expiration with Tesla going into S&P 500 and having to them make, you know, essentially make room the stock market seems like it's limitless, but it's not. It's, you know, a zero-sum game, and there's winners and losers. And if Tesla is winning at an outsized pace, and now it's at the direct expense of the S&P 500, and those other stocks in there that are currently taking up a lot of that weighting, it'll be interesting to see how um, those megas respond, you know, the Apples and the Microsofts, because those are going to be the ones that are going to need to make make room. Um, but then you're also going to have just a, just a rebalancing, which I think will be really fascinating to watch. On the health front, we're getting better vaccine news seemingly every day, um, which is great. I think that there's going to be a variety of vaccines and treatments and options for people um, moving forward. And hopefully everything works and is, is great. And we get some confidence back. People start moving around. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the distribution of everything plays out and, you know, obviously does it work and is it harming people or is it, you know, doing its job? Um, the whole MRNA science as a field is, you know, in the spotlight now. So 
it's something that has been something from ARK Invest and Kathy Wood is a big believer in it. Uh, she kind of put it on my radar a few years ago. And, you know, it seems like it has a lot of applications that have been really positive. So it makes sense to me that that's where this vaccine, the best, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's a ton of money investing in these companies that are, in, you know, building this stuff because I, I don't know. I just think at the end of the day, there's going to be, uh, I, I think the stock part of the vaccine is dicey and I don't want to be a part of it, but there's a lot of people that are, you know, that have been pursuing the best possible treatment or cure vaccine. There's been a ton of money put behind it and it's interesting to see the mRNA and what they've been doing at uh, Moderna and Pfizer and BioNTech is working. So that's cool. Um, I love science being pushed forward and how fast they are able to do this, but our technology is the best it's ever been and we're in a crisis. So um, hopefully there's no... The other thing to look at if you're being a conspiracy theorist is if these companies put out a vaccine right now and it harms people, they're going to destroy their entire company. So they're massively incented for it to actually work. So I think the people that are crazy tinfoil hat about vaccine, I get it. People don't want to do anything that is going to harm them. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the business risk of being wrong with this vaccine is immense. And a company like Pfizer is not going to bury their you know, double-digit billion-dollar company because they put out a vaccine that wasn't you know, up to par. Um, so I think people should, you know, if anything, you're going to trust, trust the evil of what money does to people. They're not going to do anything counter to their interests. And it doesn't make sense that they would do so um, for any other reason. So I think it's great. Um, curious to see how the reality plays out with the vaccine and curious to see how long it takes people to be confident in going back out. I think people are itching to get back to normal. Um, and hopefully we can open up the country in a way that makes it a personal choice thing and less of a government mandate type of situation. And if there's multiple treatments available and they're actually available and accessible, I think it makes more sense to, you know, now let, you know, we need to let people be in control of what they're doing. And that's a, d a different conversation for a different day. But hopefully the vaccine will open up um, some pathways to normalcy on that front. As far as the stock market goes, the vaccine update has you know, a lot of different ramifications for the stock market. Are we going to open things up? Are people going to travel? The energy trade has been great for the last couple of weeks. People assuming that we're going to start flying and moving around if there's a vaccine. That's a specific risk to the vaccine availability. Um, and then people's also their um, confidence in wanting to do so. Like me personally, even after the vaccine is available, I will still travel less than I was going to, you know, otherwise travel most likely. So I think that there are some stocks that are value traps, like cruise lines. I think that's going to be a really tough industry to recover. I know some people really like that industry. I'd rather own airlines, um, but that's neither here nor there. The companies in the trades that I'm becoming really interested in right now in this vaccine world is ones that have essentially boiled down to what I consider a specific risk of one big assumption being made about a company or a stock. For example, Peloton. 
Peloton is a company that was growing before COVID. It was positioned perfectly for what happened in just the whole world. It boomed. It pulled forward a lot of adoption, potentially pulled forward some demand. And now that there's a vaccine, are people going to go back to Equinox or Planet Fitness or 24-Hour Fitness or their local gym? Or is the demand for Peloton going to remain consistent or keep growing? And I love that type of boiled down. I know the demand for Peloton right now is strong. I know their margins are strong. I know that the business fundamentally, if I go on and try to buy any Peloton product, it's like out until January. So if you wanted one for Christmas, you needed one to buy one like a month ago. So the demand is huge there. And now I'm thinking the person that buys a Peloton bike and wants to be part of the Peloton community and will pay up for the premium product. Now that there's a vaccine and they've already bought their bigger house, are they going to stop buying Peloton bikes? And I think that that answer is no. I think Peloton is going to continue to be a great company for the next several years. I think it's an aspirational product. I think it's an Instagram flex for people. They like to be able to show their most everybody knows it's the most expensive option so it becomes an instagram flex and they also have the subscriptions and the community which i think is brilliant so i think you're going to see a lot of people that grew up not being able to afford a peloton bike now that they're 35 and kicking ass and making money they're going to splurge and they're going to buy that peloton bike still and i think that that's going to continue to be something that grows same with lululemon They've boiled down to a specific risk of, okay, we're going to potentially go back to work. Are we going to trade in our sweatpants and our yoga pants for slacks and blazers and skirts and blouses and all that other stuff? So I think people are going to keep buying yoga pants. I think we're going to go work from anywhere for the foreseeable future, especially with the generation that's making a lot of money. And I think a lot of those jobs are going to be flexible. And I think our wardrobes are going to be flexible. That specific risk of, does the vaccine put us back into a traditional office environment and out of sweatpants as much? I don't think it does. So these are the kind of trades that I'm looking at as the vaccine. The vaccine was early, in my opinion. It was faster than I expected, which I think is welcome news. Um, Kind of destroyed my portfolio for a second because I have a lot of stocks that were, I nailed the outcome of the election had a big boom, and then immediately the vaccine news came out and trashed my portfolio because I have a lot of stuff that is cloud-based or work from anywhere. I have a lot of Peloton, and it's been a struggle from you know, 125 down to 100, where I ended up buying a ton of it at 100. Now it's in 115. It was at 118, I think, today. Um, those type of situations make you think about how much you believe in a company. And I think... As we narrow down all of the risks and get to a specific risk, as soon as we get earnings that say these Peloton numbers are crazy good still and the guidance is good still, we're going to see a big return back in the the demand of the stock. Um, Last one in the specific risk category is Zoom. You know, everybody thought, myself included, that 
I personally still don't believe that there's a huge moat around this company. I don't think there's a huge difference between teams and meat. And I think if somebody really wanted to recreate Zoom, they could recreate Zoom for a lot less than what Zoom is worth. So that's why I particularly don't like Zoom. But video on demand, video conferencing, that's going to be a trend that will continue to grow. From a business side, I don't know if that's a good business or not because, like I, you know, if there's no moat, I don't really like the business. They were first. That's not a huge moat. Um, they're probably best right now and easiest, and they're kind of becoming ubiquitous. Like, Google it. Let's hop on a Zoom. Let's do a Zoom. That could also be FaceTime, you know, depending. But that's not, for, for the valuation they're getting, I mean, they're going to have to continue to prove that story. And they have a specific risk of, does the vaccine destroy the growth of Zoom? People are going to continue to use it. The question is, will it continue to grow? Will that adoption continue to accelerate? Or did it pull forward all of that demand? Did everybody that was potentially a user of Zoom, do we already have it? Because as soon as this all happened, I had already had Zoom for my, the company that I run. And we do our, a lot of our meetings and training on it. And it's been a good product. And then COVID hit and we did the, it, the yearly subscription. I think there's going to be a ton of subscriptions in February, March, April of 2021. And those renewals in Zoom will dictate how far this goes. So again, specific risk. That's a story that's a little bit further out. But if you're invested in Zoom, that's what you're looking at. Three months from now, are all of those people like me that signed up and gave it a year, are we going to renew? Are we going to say, we're going to switch to Teams or we're going to switch to whatever? So I think that that's um, an interesting one to keep an eye on. And lastly, I wanted to talk about Bitcoin, which is back up at all-time highs. Um, I've dabbled in Bitcoin in the 80 to 100 range, had some at 80, sold it for 120, thought I was a genius. Um, then it was kind of all over the place for a while and eventually made its way higher. I had educated myself you know, in the time between and at that point is around $2,700, $2,800. Decided I'd buy a little bit. Ended up riding it from 3300 to 18.8 is when I sold the Bitcoin I had. And um, I didn't like the transfer costs. And as the other products came out, I realized that, you know, back then I, I've, I felt like things were either going to go to Ethereum or go to, they, they needed to get the, the cost down to verify the transaction. The transaction costs were just enormous. And there was another uh, enough other Bitcoin you know, alternatives at the time that had, at that point, I mean, Bitcoin hadn't figured out its transaction cost issue. And I let it go and I felt fine about it. And then it collapsed and was kind of floundering forever. And I felt okay not having it. And then as it started to base out, I kind of started to like it technically around eleven or 12,000. I think this was like a month ago. And I posted, I bought some Bitcoin at 12,000. I haven't owned it. Um, but I wanted to to just buy a little bit and I bought it just, I don't even know how much I bought it, a, a fractions of a coin. And it immediately went to 11.5. And I let it go and I'm like, I'm not doing this again. 
<laughs> took the loss and just said, you know, I'm not, you know, the stocks are doing great. I don't need to be in Bitcoin. It's a pain in the ass to own. Um, and it's whatever. Um, so I let it go feeling like technically, man, it's basing out here and ready to break out. Then it immediately breaks out like two weeks later to, you know, up and up and higher. And now we're at 19,000. I don't regret not owning it. I don't care. It's a pain in the ass to own, like I said. Um, but it's interesting. And I say all that just to preface that, you know, not just talking about Bitcoin because that's all time highs. We've been around, done this song and dance. Um, but it's fascinating to me that these spikes in Bitcoin happen around the new generations of GPU um, that come out, both in the data center side, the A100s, and you know the the NVIDIA products, the new data center stuff, and their consumer cards come out, and the race to mine the coin. You know, if you're not familiar with cryptocurrencies, the ledgers are essentially verified in a format that uses a computer graphics card to confirm the validity of the entire blockchain. It uses a bunch of them all over the planet, so it uses a lot of power. That's the negative part of Bitcoin. So it's a constant race of let's get more computing power because every to unlock every Bitcoin takes more and more computing power. And there's a constant race to squeeze more computing power out of you know, a unit of energy. So the race in Bitcoin is how much can we solve per unit of energy? And now that there is new technology that came out and we can solve that problem faster and faster and faster, there's a race to mine more Bitcoin and the, the demand goes through the roof. Um, so much so that you can't even get the new NVIDIA 3080s and 3090s. They decided to sell a few hundred million dollars worth of those just to crypto miners. And that's why you can't get them on Newegg or on Amazon or any of those distributors yet, even though they announced them or released them a month ago. They just decided we're going to sell all of these right now. I think NVIDIA did that because AMD closed the gap with a lot of those cards. And rather than go head to head, they said, we're just going to liquidate all of these and we're going to cash these in right now. Um, but it's interesting to me that as that arms race in terms of computing power steps up, because in the last month we've had, it's not a coincidence to me that Bitcoin is surging to all time highs when the new AMD processors have just dropped, the new NVIDIA GPUs have just dropped, and we have a huge advancement in the data center level uh, computation. It's not a coincidence to me that within the last 45 days, all of those have gone a generation up and Bitcoin has gone from 12,000 to 20,000. So um, it's really fascinating to me, the race of how they can confirm the ledger in a way that is cost-effective from an energy standpoint while constantly solving the increasingly more difficult equation which produces and unlocks Bitcoin. Maintaining the ledger, and that's the reward for spending the computing power and the time and energy. That's your reward for mining it is the release of Bitcoin. So it's a fascinating process and that's oversimplified. Don't blow me up with a bunch of technical bullshit telling me that I, I get it. Keeping it simple for people that don't really mess with it. Um, but yeah, hope everybody is having a great week, a great start to December. We're almost out of 2020. And people are talking about how 2020 has been this terrible year. 
it has been a terrible year in a lot of ways, but it's also been a great year in a lot of ways because it's been really challenging for people. And what happens when people, when human beings get challenged, we make a lot of progress. And sometimes that's painful, but that's just what humans do. When things get hard, we respond. And it hasn't been a perfect response, but we've responded and we have grown. And I know a lot of people that are, you know, short-term displaced with their job or are up against it. That's difficult. I get that. There's also a lot of opportunity in starting something fresh. I know a lot of people that have started businesses. I know a lot of businesses that are doing great and that are, that are hiring and people are changing jobs and, you know, one door closes and another door opens up. And if you keep moving and doing the right thing, keep a positive attitude. I mean, there's so much to be positive for. So we're almost through it this year, but that should just tell you if we can get through this, we can get through anything. So, um, there's light at the end of the tunnel, but I hope people have been seeing that light for a little longer. Um, than just right now with this news, but if that's what it takes, then great. I, uh, I, my concern now is the coronavirus outbreak after Thanksgiving. I know a lot of people just kind of went wild with that. Um, and it takes, you know, seven to 10 days for a lot of that to show up. So, you know, keeping fingers crossed that everything is okay there and we can bridge this gap and we can get through another holiday and, Hey, if we can start getting some confidence around people getting together, even if it's, let's just say, I hope, you know, these December holidays are the last holidays that we have to sacrifice being able to be in person with each other. And if we can put our heads down for another couple of weeks and get through to a healthier other side, then, man, we can do that. We've already made it a year. Have a great rest of your week. Talk to you guys soon.